Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Wednesday, September 14th, 2016. Yeah, I know the winds are blowing hard out there in uh, Charlotte. We're going to stick to our normal schedule. We'll catch up with all the heresy at our own pace. For tuning in, you're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseboro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you slow down. Stop, open up your Bible, and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. We take the time to actually put God's Word back into context to help you understand... What's wrong with the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those who we need to be listening to, whose books we need to be buying, whose small group curriculum we need to be studying instead of the Word of God, and uh, help you actually understand sound doctrine and gain a little bit of uh, biblical discernment along the way. All right, let's uh, talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. On Wednesdays, we try to have what we call our light episode. It's not a light topic, but uh, generally it's one topic. And I invited Amy Spreeman of the Berean Examiner, as well as Stephen Kozar of the Messed Up Church blog. You can find both of those at piratechristian.com. Kozar is also the uh, curator of the Museum of Idolatry. And we had a conversation that we recorded earlier today as we discussed this current heresy hurricane season, as well as kind of the important topic of discerning discernment. Yeah, it's an interesting topic. And uh, the conversation went for quite a while, so why don't we get right to it? Here's that conversation recorded earlier today. All right, on the line, I have uh, our pirate gang uh, together, uh, Amy uh, Spreeman and uh, Stephen Kozar. We uh, have them on from time to time to discuss, you know, what's happening in the church, what are they working on on their blogs, uh, you know, uh, Amy is our Berean, and of course, Steve is our messed up church guy. And uh, <laughs> thanks, guys, for uh, taking some time out to uh, come on Fighting for the Faith and talk about what's going on. Thanks for having yeah. us. All right. So uh, I we've entered into what I call uh, heresy hurricane season. And I don't know what it is. It's, uh, it's, you know, as soon as we get past Labor Day here in the United States, uh, all the heretics are back in business. 
And uh, this year's heresy hurricane season is uh, shaping up to be probably one of the deadliest ever. We've got a Category 5 heresy hurricane blowing right now out, <laughs> right in Charlotte, North Carolina with a Code Orange revival. <laughs> what do you guys see on your coast, radar? Yeah. The southeast coast of the United States is in danger of a heresy hurricane. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're on the spot with our reporters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, reporters usually stand out in it, and uh, that's a dangerous place to be, but they, they like to have the wind that's blowing true. through their hair. And I, I'm always amazed that hurricanes have these wonderful names. Chris, uh, is there a name for this hurricane this year? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll call it Furtick 2. You know, I, you know, I don't <laughs> I see. So there isn't one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This It's Code Orange. It's the Code Orange Revival is what it is. And I am, I, I gotta tell you, I'm in like in misery. And the reason why is because, you know, you know, this is what everybody in evangelical is, you know, buzzing about. Their hashtag is blowing up on Twitter. And every night they are literally being, you know, fed, you know, a very heavily arsenic laced, narcissistic twisting of God's word. Uh, by just, you know, all of like the big names, the biggest names you could possibly think of when it comes to heresy. And they all think it's like it's like they all they got together and they said, let's let's have a conference that Chris Roseborough can really have a heyday with. Who, right. who can we find that is going to is going to give him an endless supply of program material? Right. Of course, if they had any guts, they'd invite me and give me a press pass and, you know, and let me interview the people who are uh, <laughs> who are preaching, you know, before and after they're done, you know, so I can ask them the tough questions like, so how on earth do you think that that passage is about you again? I'm a little concerned there. And what I found fascinating, if you remember in 2012, uh, the beginning part of 2012 was the very first Code Orange revival, and Matt Chandler was one of the guys who was invited. And Chandler hit it out of the park. He actually kind of missed the whole point of what it is that was going on there. And he he actually preached Christ and him crucified for our sins and had the audacity to uh, you know, to go to kind of like you know the standard evangelical text talking about David and Goliath, and literally straight up said, "You're not David." Well, on you know on yeah. Sunday, John Gray, who is one of the pastors at um, at, at Lakewood, yeah, he's on staff with Joel Osteen. Uh, he right. he was one of the featured uh, preachers, and not only did he preach on Saturday night, uh, day two of Code Orange Revival. But as part of the revival, he got to preach several sermons at Elevation Church, and he gave two different messages. And in one of them, you know, uh, I think the sermon was titled One of Eight. He literally straight up said, you are David. I mean, total opposite Hmm. of what it is that Chandler says. It just makes me wonder. I mean, did uh, Furtick and Gray get together and go, how do we undo all this damage that Chandler did last time? Yeah. Yeah. Or Satan just whispered it in his ear. You know, that could have been what happened. <laughs> so, Chris, yeah. in, in all the years of Code Orange that you've been covering this, has anybody besides Matt Chandler come on and given the full law and gospel to people? No, no. Uh, the, uh, you know, the closest was uh, James McDonald. He actually did okay. Um, and, you know, I kind of chided him for, you know, not actually stepping up to the plate and dishing up some, you know, some – heresy and at least coming up with you know some kind of a, a medal winning performance he missed the whole point of what it is about that's why we call it the heresy olympics here you know so um yeah, but i mean aside from chandler i mean i haven't heard anybody straight up preach long gospel correctly and actually 
rightly handle a biblical text and and not engage in some kind of narcissistic nonsense. You know, we're, we're also forgetting that um, I think it was about a month ago when Willow Creek had the Global Leadership Conference. Yeah. Which has turned into a, a, a very similar kind of an event. It has some really bad speakers. It's perfectly comfortable with inviting total pagans who are known to be really good speakers on the corporate uh, speaking, uh, like the corporate circuit, you know, positive leadership type stuff. Right. Uh, but man, they've had uh, TD Jakes, right? Multiple Amy, times. Didn't you, yeah. Didn't you do a story on, on, on just last month on the Global Leadership Conference? I did. It's on uh, Berean Examiner. You can take a yep. look, but it, it's got a, a many-year history of, of not preaching the gospel to people, just like Code Orange. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. it, it, you know, now we've got entire churches who uh, simulcast this in, and they spend a lot of money. And uh, the, I, I noted in my story that uh, they, they are actually cutting down on the number of pastors that they've invited to speak. You know, in years past, they've had four or five actual pastors speaking. Well, now I think this year they had uh, two. So at the huh. whole entire conference, an interesting uh, trend. In other words, it's it's more business people. Uh, exactly. it's, it's professional speakers is what they are. I actually went uh, last year online. I went to the um, the agencies that represent the speakers who were going to be at the conference last year in Will at Willow Creek. And I, I found out what their speaking fees were because some of the speaking agencies had that publicly available. And Willow Creek was spending – Fifty to seventy-five thousand. Well, the, some of them were twenty-five thousand. Some were fifty, and a few of them were seventy-five thousand dollars for a two-hour speech. I mean, who would have ever thought the church would be doing this? I am it doing something wrong. I clearly. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> me too. I, something's wrong here because you know I can run PCR for about what somebody's charging for. Um, you know, for one, one speak, I can run it for a whole year. Yeah. You know. So, hey, Chris, that makes me wonder, um, inside baseball talk, at a conference like the Code Orange Conference, there must be really hefty speaking fees for everybody who's invited, right? Nobody does this as a as a charitable endeavor. Right. That's correct. And uh, they get paid very, very well. And from what I understand uh, from uh, insiders who have – you know, been part of the, you know, the leadership teams at these types of churches that mm-hmm. um, it, it, they kind of work off of the principle of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And so, you know, Furtick right. invites these guys over to his conference, pays them well with kind of the expectation that he's going to be invited to speak at something that they're putting on and, and be paid well to do so himself. And so right. there, there's kind of a you know, the, the, a cross-pollinating, you know, in, it, you invite me, I'll invite you, and we'll all get rich together kind of thing going on. And and that's what the insiders uh, who've worked on these leadership teams, I've had several guys, probably about half a dozen guys who've left these leadership teams tell me that that's what's going on with these uh, with these kind of this, this inside right. group, this A-list group of heretics. How hard is it to figure out? I mean, if you look at the, the conferences, it's it's almost always the same group. And you, you see one guy at one guy's church, and then you see him teaching at the other guy's church sometime during the same year. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I would love uh, to come as a result of our show today, for anybody who's listening, would be to um, – my encouragement would, say, would be to say, when you listen to a speaker at a conference, 
ask yourself, does this sound like somebody whose only goal is to preach sound doctrine, to really teach what's in God's word? Or does this sound like a guy who loves being on stage, who loves getting the uh, adoration of a crowd? Yeah. Because as soon as you open your mind to the idea that, you know, I think this guy is an egomaniac, you see it. It's right there. It's it's in front of you for the whole world to see. It's one of those things where they say it's hidden in plain sight. Yeah. These people are – these are egomaniacs. They're professional speakers who call themselves ministers. Mm-hmm. But how how are they actually ministering? They're not. They're going on stage and they're giving speech after speech after speech. If you if you type in their names and you go to their their websites, you'll see they're they're constantly gone. They're always speaking somewhere around the world. That's what right. you call a professional speaker. That's not a minister or a pastor. Right. You know, and if you remember uh, last November, I don't know if you guys remember this uh, interesting thing that Stephen Furtick actually made a huge production out of uh, giving T.D. Jakes a $35,000 gift so that everybody could see it. Uh, yeah. There was a, you know, Jakes has this infamous uh, money wheelbarrow. And uh, so, you know, the gift uh, actually is more you know, than his average congregant probably makes in a year. But uh, he mm-hmm. said that, you know, Stephen Furtick says that Jesus really wouldn't want him to reveal how much he earns as a pastor, uh, you know, off his congregation every year. But he makes this uh, very public, uh, look what I'm doing gift. And so, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes that uh, now is starting to be, like you said, Stephen, in um, plain sight. Yep, yep. And he, I hope so. And if you kind of notice this – you know, one of the things I've been kind of keying in on and fighting for the faith is exactly what these guys are doing. They, I call them peddlers of victory technologies. And yeah. each and every one of them has come up. They've devised, you know, a particular way of reading a text where they can see the insights and the principles that if you apply these things to your life, you're going to go from the pit to the uh, to the palace just like Joseph did. And you know, mm-hmm. and, and 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 that's really what they're, they're what they're selling. They're, they're selling people on a mindset or principles or steps to apply or things to obey. And once they've done that, then God's going to say, "Oh, now I can finally take you from you know little league all the way up to the major leagues, and uh, your your life's going to be spectacular." And they're always the ones who have these insights, and that's why they twist these texts the way they do. And and they work these people up into a frenzy. You're go- you know, God's going to promote you. You're going to be, oh, wow, you're going to – and they're basically selling something that Scripture doesn't even promise at all, and it's it's right. unbelievable. It's, it's so much like the Amway, uh, the Amway motivational business. It's – Almost exactly the same. And well, in, in a lot of ways, it is exactly the same. You get people who uh, they want to believe something. They want to believe that they're going to have a miracle of whatever sort. And they go with this expectation. Nobody goes to these things with any skepticism. Nobody goes with an open Bible. They go there believing that this is going to be great. And they're told it's going to be great. And they're all excited about how great it's going to be. And then, of course, they get worked up by the musicians and by the speakers and so they're convinced that something great has happened. That's exactly what we did in Amway. You'd go to these uh, conferences because your business wasn't actually making any money, just like it always hasn't made any money. And uh, you would say, I, I got I to gotta go to this next conference. I really need to build up my belief. That was actually a term that we used. And we would encourage people, if you, if you need to get your belief built up, you really need to go to the next, uh, the next meeting, the next rally. 
And, and you would go there and all this adrenaline is rushing and there's music and there's video and there's lights and there's really powerful speakers. And it's the same thing. Nothing happens. You're, you're told about what's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And the guy on stage, the Amway guy on stage is telling you about all the money he's made. And you could do what he's doing, just like the speakers at these conferences are talking about all the victory that they have in their life. And they've learned this new secret thing. Of course, you got to usually you got to buy the book or you got to you got to listen to the DVDs series to really get the whole gist of it. But they're always selling something, right? You're, you're right, Chris. It's always this something in the future. They're never pointing back to Christ and his his, uh, you know, dying on the cross for our sins. That's that's always a side issue if it's ever brought up at all. Right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a side point. Yeah. And see, if you, you go back to your, your Amway days, I go back to my uh, journalism school days. I, I just now it popped into my head that I, I remember a, a speaker came in and talked about how to sell your, your copy, your, you know, your journalistic uh, copy to uh, freelance, you know, magazines, that kind of thing as a, as a freelance contributing writer. And you always had to have numbers in there, you know, and, and you always had to promise people, uh, you know, 10 ways to um, Im- improve your love life or 15 mm. things you need to know to do, you know, X, Y, Z. And it always promised success in some area and it always had numbers to it just like some of the books that you see uh, in yeah. Christendom today you know uh, 10 secrets uh, the bible doesn't tell you or something like that and uh, it really people it, it's a money making machine is what it is but unfortunately uh, we're moving away from the gospel that leads to repentance and faith in Christ mm-hmm. yep. and and we're getting into this social psychology i want to be successful it's all about me and uh, my life here on this earth i i need to you know have the increase Yep, that's right. In fact, you know, it, it, kind of building off of both of your points, you know, the big hype and hoopla and emotional manipulation going on at Code Orange. I was, uh, you know, yesterday I was sitting on the hashtag, just kind of reading it with, you know, the slack jaw. And uh, I began, you know, tweeting back to some of these people who were, you know, using Twitter to, you know, put quotes up from the Code Orange revival. And I would just simply ask him, you know, after they posted something, they heard, you know, one of the speakers say, can you show me where it says that in the Bible? And I got blocked by <laughs> many of these people. But I mean, I'll, I'll give you some examples of it. So, you know, uh, one guy uh, tweeted, he says, sometimes God will give you the word for a storm you're not in yet. And that's a direct quote from Stephen Furtick. So, you know, of course, you know, you know, where is that in Scripture? And this led to me uh, putting together what I called the Code Orange uh, Bible Challenge. And, you know... And basically, it, it, with the goal of hopefully opening the eyes of some of these folks, you know, listen to some of these other uh, you know, the things that were said at Code Orange. When I release what's in me, God will revive what's around me. I, you, you, I don't know where that is in the Bible. Uh, it's um, in a fortune cookie. I think I read that at a Chinese restaurant a few weeks you, ago. You may have. And then the distance between your anointing and your announcement is the process. What? Yeah, I know. It doesn't even make any sense. And these people think that this is like a life-changing, pithy quote, you know. Here's another one. That's because, Chris, you're you're not saying it with the same kind of emotional fervor that Stephen Furtick does. You have to get really worked up, and then you use the pause. Oh, okay. that's when you insert the the saying that actually is meaningless, but it sounds so good when it's delivered correctly. All right, let, so let me try this. Okay, so you think I need to pause okay. first? Okay, hang on. Let me try this one. All right, here we go. <laughs> Worship is not just a sound, but it's a substance. Only God can handle the substance of worship. Was that better? That's that's pretty good. <laughs> I still don't know what you know, it means. 
Yeah. I could get my guitar out and do some emotional background music. That might help. Uh, too. Yeah, maybe I need a disco yeah. ball. Okay, try this one. <laughs> the password to your miracle is the sound of your praise. The hmm. password to your miracle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and I mean, uh, it, okay, um, this is really deep. This is from Christine Kane. If you don't deal with yesterday today, you will never step into tomorrow. Ooh. Isn't that, that's profound, isn't it? That's something. <laughs> that is something. You just know these people sit around coming up with these little things um, and, and kind of having a backlog um, of, of uh, little phrases. It's actually, you know, Chris, you were playing uh, Chuck Pierce recently, the guy that does the <laughs> yeah. Prophecy Open Mic yeah, Night. Yeah. And uh, um, it's very similar to uh, blues musicians. If you play blues guitar, you learn lots of uh, phrases uh-huh. and you have those memorized. But when you're improvising, you just string them together in a way that fits what everybody else is doing. You don't necessarily play them in the same order. And that's the key to being a good improvisational guitarist is having a lot of phrases that you've got completely memorized. You know them like the back of your hand, but you you don't know when you're going to use them. I think that's what some of these speakers are doing too. They have these phrases and I wouldn't be surprised if they've got little scraps of paper and they've written things down mm-hmm. and they've committed them to memory and they just toss them in here and there. And it sounds like this is just gushing out of this great wellspring of wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a bunch of catchphrases. Well, they're axioms and you know, Bill Hybels is the master of it. And he actually wrote a book called axioms and many of them came from his, uh, you know, his, his global leadership some. And so, Chris, kudos to you for getting on Twitter and, and trying to answer back some of these things to some of the people tweeting out. I did that with uh, the, the Bill Hybels Global Leadership hashtag, and uh, some amazing but unbiblical things came out of that as well. And I'm trying to ask people, where is that in Scripture? It, it just isn't. Yeah, which kind of you know, I, I want to take the occasion of what you just said. You know, you know, we're actually out there actively trying to get people's attention and for yeah. them to see that what it is they're being taught this is not biblical this is some dangerous stuff and as you know as a result of your efforts my efforts i kozar's efforts on his blog and, and welcome to being a blogger by the way kozar i mean yeah you're 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 one of the scum of the earth now um, I didn't have very many friends to begin with, but now I have even fewer. Now you have fewer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, In fact, I look, I look forward to talking to you guys because it's, uh, it's about the only friends I have left at this point. No, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but <laughs> yeah. it's kind of true. I, you know, it, it's, it's. It, I think in society nowadays, I mean, you know, kind of the bottom of the barrel, you know, would, you know, be pimp, prostitute, then blogger. I think right above. <laughs> You know, and and the thing is, is that even within Christian circles, among people who are theologically minded, um, there's a lot of questions, and I would even say shots taken at those who are doing discernment blogging. And and not all discernment bloggers are the, are the same. I mean, granted, there are some who, uh, who who know the craft well and have journalistic standards. Others who are people who are maybe not well theologically trained, and their argumentation isn't the best, even biblically. But the, mm-hmm. what, what ends up happening is that you know all these you know discernment bloggers get thrown into the same uh, you know trash bin, and then you know and then somebody lights the dumpster on fire and, and basically pans the whole endeavor. Right. And, I, and I think there's a I, I think it's kind of important for people to understand really what function this plays within the body of Christ. I mean, after all, discernment is actually one of the gifts of the Spirit. Um, mm-hmm. Not that that's in the Bible or anything, but. Um, mm-hmm. 
I think we need to kind of walk through, you know, uh, some things here talking about how people um, ignore discernment bloggers and some of the arguments right. they put forward and uh, and see if we can answer them. Uh, you know, and, and so, Kozar, you've actually this is the, here's the irony. Are you ready? It's a discernment blog post about discernment bloggers. I mean, that seems. <laughs> Whoa, dude! Can you do well, that? We're seeing a lot of those lately, aren't we? I mean, we're we're seeing people who are just uh, tearing apart. And where does the word discernment blog come from? Uh, actually, I th- I think it was created by people who don't like uh, bloggers doing apologetics and things that mm-hmm. uh, that you and I do. That we you know we expose some of the false teachings by comparing it to the true. And now, did you know there's actually a uh, an acronym for us? Uh, we're we're actually called DDMs, Daily Discernment Ministry. And you know, I, and I just want to start this conversation by saying, if you're getting your daily discernment from a, a blog, shame on you, because we should be getting that from Scripture. But the problem is, and that you, you two have pointed out, is that people aren't doing that, and they're being absolutely bamboozled, aren't they? Yeah, no, mm-hmm. they are. And I think that's where where I think that a lot of people don't get this is that uh, discernment work is is really not for everybody. Um, you know, I don't have a problem with the idea of, you know, somebody who's really attending a, a, a bad church, uh, finding, fighting for the faith and having their eyes open, getting into a good church and then feeling like, you know, it's, it, you know, I, I, I love what Chris is doing, but, you know, I, I've kind of moved beyond that. It's like, that's kind of the point. Um, right, right. You know, in fact, Chris, I would say, I would take it even a step further and say, uh, honestly, you've done less than an ideal job of promoting some of the other resources that are on piratechristian.com. There's other uh, articles and there's other bloggers yep. who aren't doing things the way you're doing them. And so I would I would encourage people to at least start there. Look at some of the other shows. If you think, gosh, I don't want to hear Chris talk about these stupid, you know, heretical teachers anymore. Fine. If you're if if you get it, that's fine. That's totally fine. Right. There's we, a ton of resources with good theology and good teaching. And we have eight hours of original programming every day at Pirate, and most of the programs have nothing to do with discernment at all. It's it's their preaching programs or you know right. something like issues, et cetera, that kind of deals with the current topics of the day in light of a biblical worldview. I mean, there's so there's a whole smattering of really good resources out there. And what I find mm-hmm. fascinating is that you know I always get somebody who wants to take my head off and say. You know, all I ever hear you do is tear people down. How? What, what do you actually believe? I mean, are there any good preachers in your mind? It's like you clearly haven't even listened to uh, you know an entire week of fighting for the faith yet. I mean, it's you know. But uh, coming back to your point, Amy, is you know I remember I've been doing discernment blogging now for a long, long time. Um, you know, my first discernment blog was um, uh, called Extreme Theology, and now and, and that's pushing yeah. what. 13 14 years ago when I started that thing and um and and I I remember that you know the the first people to really cast aspersions on discernment blogs who were challenging false doctrine and things being said it was the guys in the seeker driven movement and the emergent church and mm-hmm. they would never answer the substance of a critique never would they you know it's like well, this guy says I'm twisting God's word. Here's why it's not a twist of God's word. And then, you know, and actually deal with the substance. Instead, they would, they would go ad, ho- ad hominem. And so, you know, it was the Driscolls of the world who came up with this idea that discernment bloggers are, 
um, socially awkward men who never really grew up, who live in their mother's basements <laughs> and, you know, sit naked on a beanbag eating Cheetos all day long while typing on a laptop. And I mean, that's literally the, the, the you know, the, anybody critique them. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the type of person who is doing and which is like a total ad hominem. And it's like my mom doesn't even have a basement. I've been married since I was 20. You know, it's like, you know. <laughs> Well, you know, you you have that question. I get that, and Steve, I'm sure you too. You you, you get the the question. Well, you're, you're talking about all of these examples of you know teachers who are are false teachers. Who what what teachers do you like? And and really. What I find is that they're not asking the question. They don't, they don't really want to know uh, which teachers are actually out there properly uh, preaching God's word. What they want to do, I think the temptation is to compare uh, so-called bad teachers with good teachers. And what we want to do is have people compare all teachers to Scripture. Because yep. if, if you're not using that as your bellwether, then uh, you're going to be fooled. Yeah, That's a really good point. That is, a, that is an amazingly great point. Yeah, because the, the point is I'm not looking for you to go and listen to this group of good pastors. I want you to learn how these good pastors are rightly handling God's word and yes. go find a pastor in your area who's doing the same thing. Yes, exactly. All right, we're going to pause our conversation right there, pay some bills. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Christian. Quick break when we come back, the balance of today's conversation with Amy Spreeman and Stephen Kozar as we discuss discerning discernment. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. No itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> study with my eight-week program, you will learn a self-feeder system that I developed over two seasons of preaching in the Octagon. It's called Rexquando. I need a volunteer to come up here and show that they trust me. Um, here. Okay, you'll do. Come up here. Bow to your pastor. Bow to your pastor! Okay, now I'm gonna give you one chance. One chance, people. Turn around. Turn around. All right. Now fall back and I'll catch you. Ow. That was pretty good. Now, listen, everybody. The reason why he fell was because he didn't have enough faith. Go sit down. Okay, when I fall, I fall in slow motion every time. Now, in addition to what you just saw, if you study with my eight-week program, you're going to learn these things. First off, in Rex Kwon Do, 
We use the buddy system. No more reading the Bible solo. You need somebody watching your back at all times. Second off, you're going to learn to discipline your image. You think I got where I am today because I dress like Peter Pan here? Take a look at what I'm wearing, people. Bible pants. Yeah, you have to be pretty righteous to rock these babies. You think anybody wants a roundhouse kick to the face while I'm wearing these bad boys? Forget about it. Last off, my students will learn how to walk on water, heal babies, raise the dead, and be extreme. Now for only one $300 seat offering, you can sign up right now for my eight-week program here at Guts Church. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, Our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. (laughs) To err is to heretic. To R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash refermanda. And purchase yourself a copy of the game Reformanda and join the fight for the faith today. Listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that discernment is actually a gift of the Holy Spirit and something that Christians are supposed to, um, well, be exercising. 
just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. It is a partnership. We can't do what we are doing unless you partner with us. Uh, the way you partner with us is visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons are right there in the middle of the homepage. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew. There are four ranks to choose from. Uh, lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95. Master Gunner, $49.95 a month. And then Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. This is a great way to support us, by the way. Of course, if you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you could do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith. Send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, here is a balance of my conversation recorded earlier today with Amy Spreeman and Stephen Kozar as we discuss, uh, well, discerning discernment and things like that. Hey, Amy, can you um, talk a little bit about, uh, you brought this up a few weeks ago, how some of the discernment bloggers that you're familiar with have actually taken a turn and decided that they shouldn't, they don't want to do it anymore, and other people shouldn't be doing it as well. Yeah, it, it's an interesting trend, and I, I've noticed that uh, quite a few people uh, are leaving discernment blogging. Men and women are, and uh, you know. It, it, but on the way out, uh, they are saying, you know, actually, maybe discernment blogging isn't biblical because God showed me that I shouldn't be doing this anymore. Uh, it, it's almost like uh, you know, those who are uh, you know left on the field are taking shots <laughs> from those who are are you know uh, are leaving. And you know what? Um, bless those who uh, have done such great work uh, in this in this arena because it's really helped a lot of people. I would just encourage people, just remember where you came from. Remember that you were deceived once, and uh, and I was deceived at one time. Uh, my heart isn't for the, uh, you know, the people who are uh, discerning people. Like you said earlier, Chris, you know, there's a lot of people who maybe have moved on. Uh, great. I, I would encourage you to uh, continue moving on, move forward toward uh, Jesus Christ and filling your mind with uh, the good news of the gospel, but there are people who desperately need to know. Well, why why am I having these red flags? What's going on with this uh, particular right. teaching? Um, and, and so I, I like to encourage people. You know, if, if you don't want to be here every day, uh, don't be. You know, come once a week and just kind of uh, check in, or mm-hmm. you know, use us when you need to research something. Uh, but absolutely make sure that you are uh, you know discerning and not uh, you know cutting down those who are are still doing this yeah and hey, uh, go ahead Steve. You, I was gonna say if we want to let's go to this outline because I started this article when we we began talking about this topic a few weeks ago yep and it's a seven point little kind of one of these reverse uh, satirical articles how to ignore discernment bloggers and stay comfortably clueless Typical Kozar, yeah, you just pull yeah. the rug right out from under people there. Hey, you want to stay comfortable in your theologically shallow and biblically illiterate Christian beliefs? Even if those beliefs are not really based on God's Word? Of course you do. Here's a guide that will keep you in the dark and will help you to avoid the bothersome content of whichever discernment bloggers are currently bugging you. So, <laughs> that's the intro. <laughs> uh, okay, so, yeah, so, so why, why don't you walk us through this, uh, Steve? So here's here's the first assumption. Number one, start with this assumption. There aren't any false teachers. Yeah. With this handy starting point, everything else falls comfortably into place. Just tell yourself that people who proclaim a different gospel are just different. It's like the difference between hot dogs and hamburgers. 
if there are no false teachers, then it logically follows that all discernment bloggers are wrong. Ta-da! Now you won't have to consider what they say. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is a big – it's a big uh, – it's like a – it's a way of people blocking something out of their mind. When people don't like to hear things that are really negative and are concerning, so they just pretend they're not there. Yeah. No, I, I experienced this yesterday uh, uh, when, hmm. I, when I posted my Code Orange Bible Challenge. You know, in the in the uh, in the blog post, you know, I said these are doctrines that were taught at Code Orange Revival, and some guy came out of the woodwork and said, "I, you know, I think it's awful mean of you to say that these were doctrines. I don't you think it's fairer to say that these were misguided Bible applications?" <laughs> mm. No, I don't think that's actually true because uh, if you remember a few years ago, well, it was 2014. Um, Stephen Furtick actually had the the children of his church memorize the code you remember the 12 core values yeah, yep. as the church that will make us unique and you know one of them is uh, uh let's see uh we are united under one vision well that vision is not uh god's vision but the vision that god gave pastor stephen and under that it says we will aggressively defend our unity and that vision so uh, there's all sorts of things that are being passed off as doctrine which are not biblical doctrines. Yeah, and and the, the Greek yeah. word for uh, for doctrine, it literally it just you, a synonym is teaching, and right. um and when you read the opening verses of First Timothy, um you know there there's Paul the apostle charging Timothy to tell people not to teach heterodidaskaleo. That means other, you know doctrines that are divergent from the standard. Okay. And so any teaching is a doctrine. If you're teaching somebody, God wants you to do this, that is a doctrine. And in, you know, mm-hmm. because doctrine and teaching are synonymous. And so for whatever reason, you know, it, not only is this idea that there aren't any false teachers, but there's this idea that somehow there is, you know, that there's like this tiny, tiny microscopic standard of truth that we all supposedly are to agree on. And then everything else, that's not doctrine. That's applications or other things like that. And it falls yeah, into different a different opinions. Yeah, it falls into a different category altogether. But anytime anyone says God wants you to do this or God will do that if you do this, that's that's a doctrine. That uh, I don't care who you are, that's a doctrine. Right. That's a really good point, Chris. I've thought about that for a long time because I – I grew up hearing uh, kind of that wishy-washy, confusing idea that we don't want to get too deep into theology because it'll make us narrow-minded Pharisees or whatever. Yeah. And yet you're being taught stuff all the time. In fact, the people. Well, let's let's go on to number two because we're we're actually getting ahead of ourselves. Number two is go with the group. If the majority agrees with you, you must be right. Remember, Jesus wants you to follow the most popular teachers, even when they twist the Bible. Discernment bloggers are not popular, so they must be wrong. Now you won't have to consider what they say. So this is another huge issue, and I I wrote about this in that big long thing called Diffusing Demonic Dirty Bombs. It's the idea that if you're believing what the majority of Christians believe, especially if you're believing what the uh, evangelical industrial complex is teaching through their books, through their TV shows, uh, through their mega churches, if you're if you're in line with what those people are saying, then it must be true because that's the majority, and they've got they've got the power, they've got the books, they've got the churches. It's uh, it's very hard to break from that. One of the things that 
really helped me, Chris, was actually Amy and Chris, both of you, I listened to you guys before I started doing my own blogging. And there was a point in in my Christian life where I had been through some churches and I'd heard different things coming from different pastors. And I opened up my Bible and I didn't see any of what they were saying clearly written in the Bible. And so I just said, I'm not going to listen to the so-called experts anymore. I'm going to try to find some some better teachers, and I'm going to spend more time looking at what God's Word actually says. So uh, I I made up my mind that if this guy is really famous and he has a gigantic book deal or a mega church, I'm going to intentionally not listen to him, and I'm going to find other teachers. And so I found Chris Roseborough. I found Bob DeWay. In fact, Elliot Nesh's uh, documentary films, the one about the emerging church and the one about the purpose-driven church, mm-hmm. those gave me all these resources that uh, just totally changed my life because now I was listening to teachers who weren't famous and weren't popular, but they were teaching right out of God's word much more clearly. Yeah. So yeah, like, don't go yeah. with the group. No, and, and in fact, a lot of uh, seeker emergent uh, leaders will tell you, uh, they'll, they'll even admit that there might be some things that aren't doctrinally sound about some of these teachers, but then they'll say, well, we eat the fish and leave the bones. And I'm thinking, I don't want bones anymore. I don't want some uh, some church or pastor or program uh, dishing up meat with dangerous bones in them when most of the people mm-hmm. consuming this is – they're toddlers. They're, they can't eat those things. They can't discern between meat and bones, and so they, they choke to death. You know, the pure meat of mm-hmm. Scripture doesn't have any bones, and, and that's what I'm – you know, that that's the standard that we all want to look for. Right, and I think we yeah. as Americans have to, you know, address the fact that our culture produces a fad mentality, and right. this is part of being an American. You know, you know, we watch television, we listen to the radio, and like if something catches on in the popular culture, everyone wants to ride that wave. Okay, you know, like just look at Pokemon Go. I mean, how many people yeah. have downloaded that dumb app and? You know, and and gone and you know done the Pokemon Go thing, but like any fad, it you know it it has a crest and then it starts to taper off, and then everybody talks about it in the past tense, like the pet rock. And what's pro- the problem <laughs> is, is that that now has tr- been brought in without any critical thinking into the church. So you know what what the, we're looking for, kind of like the latest fad, and it's like, hey, have you read the latest book, the you know, the Prayer of Jabez, and everyone jumps onto the Prayer of Jabez. Bez and it becomes the fad. Everyone's doing it. Everyone's reading it. Same with the purpose-driven life. And and so that's kind right. of this idea. We're, we're, we're scanning the horizon for the next big thing, and we want to be the first ones to jump on it and, and be a part of it. And you don't even think critically that this is what our culture, the American culture or Western culture, has produced in us. And this actually works contrary to Scripture because the message of Christianity is has a scandalous part to it like the whole center part is scandalous and it's it's you know offensive to Greeks it's foolishness to Jews I mean we're talking about Christ and him crucified for our sins the call of the gospel is to repent and to be forgiven and as a result of it when you start mixing this fad mentality with Christianity then the way it works and morphs in Christianity is that well we've got this big thing happening right now look at all the tens hundreds and thousands of people who are tuning in and having their lives changed and you are just being a pharisee you have a religious spirit you're doing the work of Jezebel <laughs> Um, you know, you know, how dare you point out the fact that what that guy said isn't even taught in scripture? 
you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're hitting, we're hitting all the points here. I'm we're we're only on number three now, but we've been covering almost everything already. But number three on this list of how to avoid or to ignore discernment bloggers is to just lump them all together. And Chris, you started talking about that when we first started our conversation. That yeah, there are some discernment bloggers who are kind of wacky. Uh, in fact, uh, if you start typing in something like the the last days or the end times or the end of the world, you'll find a million different articles and a million different YouTube videos. And most of it goes off on bunny trails very, very quickly. And that's not what we're doing. That's, that's not what we want to do. We we want to direct people back to God's word, not to speculation about what's going to happen next. Yeah. But that's I think that's one of the ways that um, discernment bloggers are misunderstood because some of them are actually doing that. Some of them are just way off on wacky bunny trails. And they're not actually leading people in in many cases back to God's word. They're using God's word to try to promote their particular end times viewpoint, which is something that we we don't want to do that at all. Right. And no, yeah, exactly. and I I would say that this has been a like a, a constant problem uh, with certain you know with certain bloggers is that they don't maintain uh, high journalistic standards. And their standard go-to argument oftentimes will degenerate down into guilt by association. You know, years ago, you know, I I began pointing this out on my program, and and it got some discernment bloggers mad at me, and I and I understand that. But you know, the reality is is that if you're going to blog, you have to think of your blog as any other publication. It has to at least have the same journalistic standards as the New York Times. So if you report something and you get it wrong, you need to issue a retraction. If you've said right. if you've said that this person is guilty of teaching this when they don't actually believe that, you need to offer a retraction and clean up your act. And so and you know in in journalism there's you know kind of a hierarchy of evidence and primary source evidence always you know rises to the top. And uh, oftentimes people will ignore what the person actually believes teaches and confesses and and and, and you know I, I you know kind of offhandedly one time had said you know it's like if you were to use this way of of doing discernment you know i i can say you know i i know for a fact that uh albert muller was seen in the same city as richard Rohr, and we all know <laughs> what that means i mean in fact i'm pretty sure they were eating in the same restaurant at the same time we all know. Oh, they that. might have even greeted each other. They, you know, you never know. <laughs> that's right, and 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 so therefore, that means that Albert Muller is now a mystic. You know, and and that's literally kind of how they argue. And when somebody argues like that, they're not actually saying, "Okay, here's what they teach. Here's what Scripture says." And now you understand what's going wrong in their theology, which is, you know, it. it it takes a lot of work to put fighting for the faith together every single day and to theme it and things like that. And again, it, it's working off of this idea of this is a false teaching. Here's an example of it. And here's what scripture says about it and why you shouldn't believe this, even if a billion people are believing this right now, you know. Um, and you, you don't get to do shorthand and say, well, this person was seen with this person. Therefore, that means that they're endorsing this heresy. It doesn't work that way. 
Right. Yeah, you want and- to start with the theology. And, it, you know, I, I spend a lot of time looking at women's Bible study teachers because, it, let's face it, there aren't a lot of really solid ones out there. They all uh, hang together. And you have to start with the theology. So uh, when, for instance, Priscilla Schreier uh, teaches Christians to listen for God's voice in an unbiblical form of uh, contemplative prayer or something like that, uh, then you start to establish a pattern. You say, well, if her theology is off here and she's uh, regularly pre- preaching for men. Now we've got a little pattern. Um, and then when she partners with, I'm not just talking about bumping into, but actually affiliates with uh, false teachers such as Joyce Meyer or Christine Kane or Joel and Victoria Osteen. Now we've got some flags that can't yep. be ignored. And so you, you establish the pattern, uh, you know, somebody bumping into each other at a conference or even appearing on the same stage. That might be a flag, but that's not the end all of discernment. You have to dig deeper and look at what their doctrine is. Yep. And right. I, I get flack because, you know, I speak at different types of uh, events. You know, I'll, I'll speak at evangelical conferences, Lutheran conferences. I've even spoken at, uh, you know, conferences put on by Reformed Baptists. And I find it fascinating that uh, people will always say, well, you appeared at so-and-so's conference. That means you must agree with that person and everything they believe and do. It's like, what, really? I'll give you an example. I mean, uh, three years in a row, I was invited to the Reformation Montana conference uh, put on by uh, Jordan Hall. And um, and he's you know he wrote for pulpit and pen for many years and now has a polemics report that he does, and you know he kind of stays in his lane. He addresses things that are kind of within the Baptist world, if you would, you know SBC and stuff like that. And you know he's got a lot of people angry at him. And what ends up happening is is that you know every time I spoke at his conference, I had Lutherans saying, "So are are you agreeing with Jordan Hall now regarding re- and and the Southern Baptist view of baptism?" It's like. No, did you even listen to anything I said when I was there? You know, it's like, you know, it, it's like, you know, it's, it, I, that yeah. was actually one of the running jokes if you listen to my lectures. In fact, I, you know, in one of the panel discussions, I told Jordan Hall straight up, I said, I said, you know, you Reformed Baptists are like Lutherans who have a really bad view of baptism and the sacraments, you know, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, and it's it just, just because I appeared somewhere because I was invited to speak on a topic does not mean that somehow I'm endorsing what's going on. But there are people though, you know, Priscilla Schreier, when she speaks at a conference with these other heretics and she's teaching the same doctrine as they are, there's a reason why she got invited. Right. Well, this this actually makes me think of my own journey um, when I was reading and uh, reading blogs, listening to to podcasts, listening to lectures, listening to sermons, trying to figure out what's gone what's gone wrong in the church. I I, I found pretty quickly there was a lot of stuff that was wrong with the church. That's the easy part. Uh, what I wound up doing was becoming interested in theology and history, specifically the history of the church, because theology is very closely tied to the history of the church. And so for me, I became much, much more interested in theology than in finding out the latest scandal that proved that the church was apostate. I, I already knew that. I didn't need more evidence. It's kind of like after a while, you, you're done driving by the scene of this accident. Now let's figure out what caused the accident. Yeah. So for, for for me, I've really enjoyed the process of understanding theology better and and coming to grips with the different theological viewpoints, and then and then deciding to land somewhere, and and uh, and now I see the world through the lens of my theology, and it 
it's the way the church used to be to a large extent yeah. uh, three, four hundred years ago. We used to have churches that had a very defined theological viewpoint based on what they believed Scripture was teaching. Now, we not only don't have that, we have the opposite, and that's this ridiculous teaching that says theology is just bad. You shouldn't be studying it. You shouldn't be studying doctrine. You shouldn't be studying theology. You should just have a mystical uh, connection to God based on your feelings and based on uh, going to conferences where you get all riled up. It's just it's yeah. so backwards. Doctrine so divides, I would encourage people man. who are listening. Yeah, it divides. And it, yeah, it, it, it sure divides does. in the best way. It <laughs> yeah. divides you from false teachers is what it actually does. Yep. Yep. So I would I, I encourage people if you're on this path and you're early on in your journey and you're just starting to see that the church it really is apostate in in many regards. Don't stay there forever. Don't keep looking at the accident. Go back and figure out what it is that uh, brought us to this place. And you can do that. You can study, uh, especially if you go from the Reformation forward, you can see all the trends. In fact, we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago, the idea that we want to somehow create like an outline of resources so that people who want to study theology and history of the church can can kind of go through um, – some of the podcasts and lectures and videos that are out there. Uh, I've done that just a little bit. I have a YouTube channel that I haven't really done much with, but I have some resources there from different lecturers. Like there's, there's people doing excellent classes at churches. Yep. Like uh, at uh, Faith Capistrano, they have, uh, they have, it's not a YouTube channel. It's a Vimeo channel. And there's just unbelievably good resources because they're next to um, the university there where they have a lot of the, a lot of the staff coming and giving lectures for Sunday school, which is actually almost college level. Yeah, um, that's that's another topic, but that's something that we're uh, hoping to to uh, provide for our listeners in the future. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Steve, anyway, you let me go to number those... four. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to before you move on to number four. I was just going to say you yeah. you mentioned the people who are just opening their eyes, and those are the folks that I, I wake up for. Those are yeah. the folks I pray for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really care about them because they find themselves at these conferences, or they find themselves uh, just thinking, "Oh my goodness, there's something wrong, and I don't know what it is, uh, but I'm just starting to become curious." And, and those are the folks who really need uh, to know that they're not alone in all of this because so many Very people much. have been right there where they are right now. Yep, yep. And, and it's great. The, internet really helps because otherwise they wouldn't have access to a lot of the information yeah that was my case yeah and i didn't know who to talk to and that's what and see that's the reason why fighting for the faith exists at you know as a program is it you know it creates some breadcrumbs so when that person knows something isn't right but they don't know how to put all the pieces together you know and they're doing a google search and they find fighting for the faith or pirate christian radio one of the blogs that we have on our site now you know that will that that gives them you know the kind of the entry point into okay kind of figuring this all out what's going wrong and in and it's it's not about the heresy du jour the heresy of the day you have to cover those things cuz so many people are believing it but it's ultimately it's about that person who realizes wait something's not adding up here but I don't know how to how to put the puzzle pieces together yeah. that's what that's what our you know you know that's what my ministry exists for and who it well, exists me too. for yeah 
You're, yeah, the, you're, the daily uh, news leading? is something that is is uh, something you, you don't have to sit there and consume daily news of nope. <laughs> church apostasy every day. But someday nope. somebody is going to be uh, looking at the, the code orange stories that are coming out of you know fighting for the faith and messed up church. They're in that conference right now, and their eyes aren't opened yet. But this is a, a repository uh, that pattern we talked about of, of red flags where they can begin to uh, kind of understand and put those puzzle pieces together. Yep. All right. Point four, Kozar. Got to keep moving. Got to keep <laughs> well, moving here, man. Sorry. <laughs> it, this this actually leads pretty pretty uh, naturally. Uh, number four, why you can ignore the discernment bloggers is well, they're mean and angry. Therefore, they are wrong. And if you think they're mean and angry, well, that means they are mean and angry. Now you won't have to consider what they say. Right. And, uh, Chris, you're you you are the textbook example of this, this type of thinking. People listen to you. <laughs> yeah. And they say that guy's mean. That guy's snotty. That guy's snarky. That guy has a. I don't like the tone. I don't like the tone. So that gives them an out. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the inside scoop, Chris, is that you actually want people to get upset. Yeah. Because you know that if they're upset enough, they'll go seek the truth, and they'll actually open up their Bible. They'll wipe the dust off their Bible, and they'll try to figure out what what point you're wrong on. Yeah. And then they actually read the stuff, and they so. So for everybody who thinks that uh, discernment, I, I'm I'm probably guilty of this in some of my writing too. I, I use uh, this kind of sarcastic humor because I'm trying to shake people out of the brain dead situation that that we find in the evangelical church, and it really is a serious issue. Yeah, we don't have we don't have anybody at the high levels of the evangelical industrial complex who's encouraging people to just stop and really think through this and have some skepticism. Yeah. They're doing the opposite. They're telling you, don't be skeptical. Just go with the group. Go with the flow. It's almost like a, a, a gigantic brainwashing operation. Right. Now, let me say this. If some people think that you know my tone sounds angry or mean or whatever, um, let, let, me, let me just get this out. I am angry. I'm absolutely incensed that any Christian publisher would be feeding the body of Christ this toxic poison that they are feeding them. It's absolutely irresponsible, and they're going to have to explain all of this to Jesus someday. So that tone yeah. in my voice is actually righteous indignation, and I've been on the receiving end of it. I was actually in a cult. I was part of the Latter Rain movement, which is what's morphed into the New Apostolic Reformation, and I just I know from experience the despair that it creates in in the psyche of a person. Who, who buys into these false doctrines and the confusion and the temptation to literally become an atheist that it creates when you realize you've been deceived. So yeah, there is some righteous uh, indignation, but here's the idea, is that uh, people will hear this and so many emails I receive over the years begin with these words. I used to think you were the biggest, most arrogant, gunky head jerk on the planet and you kept saying, open up your Bible, open up your Bible, and don't listen with an open mind. So I decided I was going to prove you wrong. And now I want to thank you because I found a good church and I'm being taught the gospel. And I can't begin to tell you mm. how much of a of a, an impact it's had on my life in a positive way. And so if, if somebody's angry at me, I think, okay, at least I have your attention. Let's see if you take the next step to try to prove that what I'm saying is actually not in the Scripture. Because once you start heading down that road... God has you. It's not even me. God has you at this point, and it's just a matter of time before you leave that false church and you start hunting for a good one. 
<laughs> well, Chris, if you would only put on your soft kitten voice, uh, you could be, you know, and stop being grumpy cat all the time. Uh, yeah. You could convince people. But that's not really not how it works, is it? No, it's yeah. not. Or NPR voice. <laughs> no, I don't even have one of those. We're talking with Chris Rosebro right now about some terrible things that are happening in the church. Ah, good times. Yes, there's there's lots of heresy going on right now in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. If you're not paying attention, Ooh. To that, then, oh, Ooh, let's not call it heresy. Oh, oh I'm, sorry. Let's, I'm sorry. let's call it something better. There's there's some there's some misapplication of of ah, of, yes. of biblical texts going on right now, and you see, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I feel icky. Uh. <laughs> That did not sound right. No. <laughs> yeah, Walter Martin no, was, was one uh, of my mentors. In, I, I didn't, you know, I only spoke with him once, but I mean, he, you know, the way he did things, that guy had like no tact, you know. And it's like it was so freeing. It's like, well, I don't either, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yet at the same time, there's there's a point that a lot of people will bring up, and uh, you know, I'm just kind of ad libbing here because a lot of people have told me, well, you're going to chase people away from Jesus if you uh, continue talking about false teachers. It doesn't matter what kind of voice you use; they all hear a tone anyway because they don't like the word false teacher. And you know what? That word actually grated on me before I actually knew what one was. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, it's, it's one of those, you know, one of those terms that Jesus used all the time and I just brushed over it. But it are, you know, can we possibly chase people away from Jesus by sharing the words that he shared? I, I think we're chasing people away from maybe the groovy, cool, hippie Jesus who was nice all the time. Uh, but I think people <laughs> really don't understand who Jesus actually is and, and what he said. Yeah, I, I I'll take I basically say that the whole premise behind that is patently false. Scripture actually explicitly tells pastors that they are to charge people to not teach false doctrine and that they are to be silenced. This is what Scripture tells us to do. But then experientially, we know that the opposite is true. I think of um, it was maybe a year, year and a half ago. There was a, a YouTube video that just made the rounds. It was one of these. HBO comedians who did an expose on the, uh, you know, the televangelists. And um, I mean, everybody mm-hmm. was sharing that video. And that guy, I forget his name. I, you know, because I, I, I don't even have yeah, time. Yeah, John. John Stewart, John, isn't it? Was, no. Was, no, no, I don't think it was John no. Stewart. But y- y- you know what? The no, video. The British on, guy. Yeah, the British guy. I think he's on HBO. <laughs> but, uh, you, know, he, you know, he actually, you know, literally just took these televangelists behind the proverbial woodshed. And the thing is, it gave a black eye to Christianity. And my question, you know, at the time and still is, why aren't Christians as incensed about these, these you know, parasites as the world is? In fact, because Christians do not silence these people and continue to support them and don't say anything, the world thinks that we are okay with that. And that's mm-hmm. the thing that gives us a black eye. And they sit there and go, yeah, it's like, so becoming a Christian means I need to turn my brain off and send a $1,000 seed offering to Robert Tilton. Really? You know, that's how yeah. the world sees I, I this. Agree. And, you know, it, because we don't speak up and vocally flush these people out of the body of Christ, that's the thing that's giving Christianity a bad name. Excellent. I, I actually think Excellent. that we would uh, – People who are on the fence, who who are maybe um, they've been burned by the church, or or they're just uh, really skeptical of it. I think it's a really healthy thing when they see people like us and and anybody else 
always going back to God's word and and not um just buying into whatever the the super pastors are selling. I think that when they see that they they can say, "Oh, there are some people who are really doing this thing for real. Yeah. They really do believe in in a higher power who is actually above all of the teachings of men." And they're willing to kind of fight about these things because they actually believe something. I think that's been lost in in a lot of cases in uh, current cultural uh, discussion. We just want to agree with everybody about everything, which is another way of saying that nothing's really true. Yeah, that's right. So if, if we as if we as Christians want to want to show that we really believe that something is true, we therefore have to also believe that something is false. Yep. And we should be willing to stand up for the things that we believe are true and stand against those things which we believe are false. That just makes sense. Yeah, yeah. We live in an age where you know the only thing that is true is that there is no truth. I mean, that's the absolute that we live yeah. in. And if you and if you point out that there's such thing as truth and error, well, then we're we're not going to tolerate that. We'll tolerate every other claim except for the claim that there is a such thing as actual truth. So, well, you just you just went to number five in my list here of how to ignore discernment bloggers and stay comfortably clueless. Number five is criticize their criticism. Yeah. Discernment bloggers are not speaking in love when they call out false teachers and teachings. Therefore, you can ignore the actual content of what they say. Once you understand this, you can freely criticize them because it's not unloving when you and your group does it. <laughs> so there's this weird double standard that says, uh, well, and I've, I've um, responded uh, a few times to people on Facebook who have argued that, you know, you shouldn't be posting these these uh, articles. You shouldn't be saying these things about Pastor So-and-so. You know, you shouldn't criticize them. That's really wrong. I'm like, well, that's what you're doing to me right now. You're going on a public forum and you're telling me that what I'm doing is wrong. That's a form of public criticism. Yeah. You know, so those we need who to really agree that public ignore, criticism is. Oh, yeah. The, the public criticism is, is um, it, it's everywhere. But, you know, to those who ignore the warnings of Scripture, you know, people like you, Steve, and, and Chris, and people like me, we're, we're just nothing more than a clanging gong, uh, really kind of a, a stench in their nostrils because they want to be known for what they're for rather than what they're against. You've heard that before, right? Yeah, so as yeah. if they should really care about their image or on Facebook or pleasing man. But, uh, you know, we can't really convince them of everything. You can't really argue uh, with them about that. Instead, you need to hear the cries of the people who are stuck in these false teachings, who they know something's wrong. They're being asked to leave their churches for daring to ask questions. Yeah. And, and those are the folks who are, are being uh, hurt here. They're being forever harmed. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. And I, I, I have to keep that in my mind, too, because I, and whenever I hear somebody, you know, make a, a critical comment, you know, basically something along the lines of, why are you doing this? You're yeah. just you're just mean. You're not helping anything. Why don't you do something good for once? All that stuff. It it really can uh, can get to you. Yeah. yeah. And it, it makes me sometimes for a brief moment question. Yeah. You know, that sounds good. Maybe I should just go back to being a regular Christian who doesn't know anything for sure and doesn't believe anything for sure and just gets along with everybody because that feels nice. Yeah. But you have to really block off a lot of truth in order to to get to that point. I just I I was done doing that. Yeah. Years ago, I I made it very clear that uh, when the tone police want to pull me over and give me a citation that I don't recognize their authority to do so. So I just keep driving. So, <laughs> oh my goodness, you'll be on the news in no time. Well, you have been. Yeah, but it's uh, a slow speed you know, chase. The tone police are trying to get Pastor Roseboro to stop. He's not stopping. 
<laughs> do you drive a white Bronco by any chance? <laughs> All right, Mister. Uh, but you know the reason okay. I think that, like you said, Steve, it'd be so easy just to not do this anymore. And you know, I, I would just love to be able to push this aside. And you know, I, we all have different day jobs, right? So, uh, you know, just to do that and uh, and go about my days, not worrying about what the other sheep are doing to each other in the name of you know false teaching. Um, so I know that uh, there are people who get it out there; they're not surprised. And, and I don't want to preach to the choir. I, I love you guys who listen every day, but uh, the work we do really are for those who are surprised and caught off guard. And we can really help some of them to understand uh, where we are in this world, this false age, that uh, the great falling away Jesus spoke of, and try to snatch them away from the, yep. the snares of the deceiver. Yep. That, that's really why we do this. And there's another group of people that I think we should talk about, and that's the people who have loved ones who they know are caught up in these false teachings. Yes. And they are desperate to find anything to help them understand what's wrong with it biblically so that they can have that tough conversation with their loved ones or their friends. Mm -hmm. And in so many of the emails I get on a daily basis are my son or daughter is going to this church and, you know, how do I help them see the truth of what, you know, of what's going on? And so, or they'll say, thank you for your programs. They helped me figure this out so that I was able to have that tough conversation with, with somebody I love. And so that's a whole other group, the person who wants to be educated with the hope of, you know, opening the eyes of somebody they love that they know is that, that loved one is being deceived and manipulated and taken advantage of and is in dangers of the fires of hell, and they don't want to see them go to hell. So this mm-hmm. is an educational uh, you know, resource yes. to, you know, to help equip them to communicate biblical truth to those who they know are being deceived. Yeah, that's a really that, good point absolutely. too, Chris. I get those letters too. A, there, and there is there is a falling away happening in the church. It's it's not something that can be really debated. The the numbers show it. That the the statistics show it. That there are people coming into the church and there are people leaving the church. The number of people leaving the church is growing. Yeah. And so we're in a unique position historically. Uh, that they, for whatever reason, the majority of pastors want to pretend that it's not happening or they have very shallow solutions to it. And the, the solutions tend to be, well, just keep doing more of the same, you know, have a have a bigger motorcycle on stage for the next sermon or, you know, have a juggler and a clown at the same time so we can get more people to show up and make a decision. But the real solution is that we have to be pointing out what the false doctrine is so that they can come back to the faith with full confidence in the in the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And and that's a that's a that's not a simple thing that you just do with a with a simple uh two-step process. No, it actually uh, so takes one study. of the things that <laughs> it takes study and time and, yep. and so for those of you who are listening who are in the middle of that process, God bless you and keep doing it. You're going to make a real difference in other people's lives. It may take a very long time. It may take 10, 20 years before you see any results, but but keep training yourself. And and uh, just speaking in love to those around you who need to hear what it is you have to say. They may not listen right away. I know that's the case in, in my own life. Yep. Yeah. It takes time. All right. Num- next one, Steve. Next one. Number six is this idea that the Holy Spirit leads me. I don't need all this theological stuff. Uh, that's a really common uh, understanding of discernment. The, the, there is this idea that discernment is actually something that happens in a mystical way internally. Yep. 
And, and that's extremely dangerous. And, of course, we've talked about the new apostolic reformation and the crazy charismatic stuff that's going on that's growing like crazy. And uh, the Southern Baptist Convention uh, should have clamped down on guys like Stephen Furtick a long time ago. I don't know what the heck's going on with those with those folks because they're they're using the same bizarre sort of mystical teaching that yeah. there is such a thing as extra biblical revelation. They don't believe in sola scriptura anymore. And discernment comes from God's word. It doesn't exactly. come from something that God downloads directly into our, into our head. But this is another area where some of the people who are discernment bloggers, quote unquote, they come at it from the viewpoint of, I just got a new prophetic message from God about the end times. And I've got the true scoop. I've got the real inside story on what's going on because God told me or the Holy Spirit told me. Yeah. And that's not true discernment. That's actually another form of deception. And, well, and go ahead, Amy. I was just going to add to what Steve said. Not everybody is biblically illiterate. Uh, so we can't assume that they are, that they've never dusted off their Bible and picked it up. Uh, there's a lot of people who read their Bibles, a, a lot of deceived Christians who do read their Bibles. And by the way, Christians who are truly Christians can be deceived, or Jesus wouldn't have warned them about that. But uh, there's this combination of, you know, the the crafty scripture twisting along with the endorsement of these false teachers by uh, trusted leaders. And it's really, uh, it's concocted what I call a poisonous cocktail of deceit. And uh, we've got a lot of dear lambs who are biblically literate, who are drinking at the table of the devil. Unfortunately, uh, these pastors aren't teaching their sheep how to be discerning. And that's really a uh, where we want to step in and try to bridge that gap if we possibly can. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And this is where I think we need to point back to the culture a little bit here. Um, everybody who's watched and enjoyed the Star Wars movies has been indoctrinated into an irrational worldview. And there's a lot of this going on in the church. Let me, you know, and, and in the Star Wars movies, you have, you know, the, the religious guys are the Jedi, right? And they can sense a disturbance in the Force. And, you know, and when they sense a disturbance in the force, you know, that is supposed to guide them and lead them and things like that. And many people view the Holy Spirit in that way. And so they have this assumption that if I go to a church and the pastor's actually a false teacher, I'm going to sense a disturbance in the Holy Spirit's force inside of me. And that'll warn me. And since I didn't feel that, I felt a warm fuzzy mm -hmm. or I had goosebumps. It has that guy has to be on the level. And that that whole assumption has got to go. The way you just yeah. you, you determine whether or not somebody is a false teacher has nothing whatsoever to do with how they make you feel. Um, instead, whether or not somebody is a false teacher, this is objective. And the question is, when you open up the scriptures and you compare what they are saying to what God's word says, because it's the Holy Spirit who inspired all of those words to be written down for us. When there's a contradiction, that's how you know somebody's a false teacher, not by how they make you feel. Yep. Yeah, he, usually it, false it, teachers make you feel really good about who yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, they, they're uh, manipulating. That's all it is. Yeah, they are the I mean, masters of, of, what, of adrenaline creation. They, uh, they create yep. these experiences on purpose. You know, it, everything is carefully choreographed to, to bring you up, then gently bring you down, and then take you to the mountain emotionally, and then start to ease you back down. And right at the time when you're kind of in the state of euphoria, then the guy gets up and blathers on about how great you are, and you leave there going, man, that was the most amazing thing ever. You laughed, you cried, mm -hmm. you had, oh, it was, and 
and you know uh, emotionally you've just been manipulated but you haven't been taught god's word and it's a form of hypnosis it literally is a form of hypnosis especially with the music hypnosis doesn't happen to people who are unwilling to be hypnotized people who want to feel something who want to believe something are are opening themselves up to, to to somebody else manipulating them. So whether or not a guy like Stephen Furtick is completely aware of what he's doing or not, the fact is people are are being manipulated and in a way hypnotized. Yeah. Yeah. And all it, one of the one of the again I'm going back to I wish people would just be a little bit skeptical. I wish they would be just a little bit skeptical because as soon as you have some healthy skepticism, not about God, not about God's word, but about the teachers that you're listening to, as soon as you are, the whole world just opens wide and you see things that you didn't see before, even though they were right there. Yep, that's right. Yeah. <sighs> well, the last one on my list here is to, uh, if you want to avoid discernment bloggers, just give them a label. Uh, and so this is common across society in a million different ways when we don't want to think about a, a person or a viewpoint we just slap on a label you know like oh he's into christian conspiracies now or she used to be a regular christian but now she's into all that weird stuff you never define these things you just use these terms yeah. and everybody kind of nods their head and says yeah uh, poor so-and-so they used to be a regular christian like us but now they're in that weird stuff or he's one of those judgmental bible-thumping christians now He's a religious Pharisee. He's always quoting Bible verses. These are phrases that people will use, and everybody has been uh, indoctrinated into these catchphrases so that there's this very vague understanding of what they mean. But as long as you use those phrases, you don't have to consider what the person you're talking about is actually saying and, and teaching or what they're trying to teach you. Yeah, you can. You're, 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 you're like, it's like a little, uh, it's like a protective covering. <laughs> yeah, these these little labels that we throw in people. Yeah, it, it's so prevalent. Bit, you know, the, the 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 standard catchphrase is religious spirit or Pharisee, um, and and being called a Pharisee is so common for me. I actually have a a, a web page I use up at pirate Christian Radio at piratechristian dot com. You know, ca- you know, called uh, the you know playing the Pharisee card. And as soon as somebody calls me right. a Pharisee on social media, I just send them the link. You know, and you mm-hmm. know, and I think it's important for people to understand this. The Pharisees were not religious in the way discernment bloggers are religious. The Pharisees were actually heretics. They're religious. They were religious in the exact same way the false teachers were trying to expose are religious. They are teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Look at Mark 7 on this. And so, you know... For somebody to sit there and say, wait a, you know, you know, I said, wait a second, this guy is teaching false doctrine. They go, you're a Pharisee. It's like, no, no, you don't even understand biblically what that category is. <laughs> you know, the, you know, yeah, no, it doesn't work that way. You know, it's it, it, it's like Anigo Montoya. You know, I don't think you, I don't think that word means what you think it means. You know, <laughs> you keep you keep using that word, but you don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Well, gentlemen, yeah, what about this argument though? That a lot of uh, people who don't like uh, what you do, they, they'll say uh, discernment ministries really are unbiblical. There's no scriptural model for what you're doing. How do you answer that? Um, I would just go to Titus chapter 1, where uh, the Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says that it is God's will that the false teachers are silenced. All right? Mm-hmm. And so the idea here is is that you know we live in a world where we must speak the truth, and exposing error and, and you know telling people this is not this is not biblically true, 
not only are we biblically commanded to do that, just look at church history. Church history always, you know, until very recently, addressed false doctrines, so much so that all of the major heresies, we know who they taught them because the heresies they taught were named after them. You know, could you, right. um, could you right. imagine what would have happened to the church if uh, you know, people were saying to Augustine, you know, listen, it's not biblical for you to be writing against Pelagius. Okay, right. you know, nowhere in Scripture are you told to pull out, you know, quill and and parchment and write against this guy and warn everybody about his 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 false doctrine. That's ridiculous. I mean, it's it's just patently false on its face. Scripture teaches you know, us to do this. History has shown that this is what's happened. It's just the medium has changed. Right. That's what I was just going to say uh, to to your question, Amy. Uh, if somebody said. The Bible doesn't actually say that we're supposed to have discernment bloggers. I think the answer would be, well, that that is sort of true in the sense that you know there there weren't bloggers at all, there weren't so-called discernment ministries. I think the fault is actually not on the discernment bloggers today. It's on, it's the fault of the pastors who aren't doing their job. Yep. Yeah. So I would love it if we didn't have to do this. I would love it if there was no need for it because all the pastors out there were doing their jobs, which which would be to teach what's in accord with sound doctrine. Yeah. Uh, I have that whole page that I keep attaching to as many articles as possible called Shocking Stuff You're Not Supposed to Know. And it's just Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse about the importance of good doctrine and warnings against false teachings and warnings against pastors who are getting rich off of their flock. Yeah. It's all over the New Testament, and yet we're supposed to somehow ignore that. And uh, we wouldn't be doing this if the pastors were bringing up those verses. But I, when I started opening up my Bible again, I, I just noticed tons of verses that have been ignored by many of the pastors and churches that I had been attending. And that really concerned me. And it led me down to this path where I thought, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do some, some of this discernment blogging myself, partly because I just want to get it out of my system. I've got all this stuff I've learned and I don't know what else to do with it. So I'm going to start a blog. And then next thing you know, I'm, I'm connected with you guys. But I think that's, <laughs> that's kind of a, um, that's a healthy thing. You know, it's yeah. a healthy thing when people learn things and they want to express what they've learned and they want to help other people learn those same things. I would also say that if your discernment blogging is all about bringing up negative, angry uh, end times, uh, you know, the, the, uh, there's been a new earthquake. Boy, God's even closer than he was, you know, yesterday. And just constantly focusing on that sort of thing. I agree. I don't want to do that. And I, I think there's a real problem with that. And that's where I think, Amy, when somebody says that what you're doing is unbiblical, they may have a point in that regard. Mm. Well, and you know, I, I do look to the times that we're in and I say, you know, th this is exactly what Jesus said would happen. There would be these false teachers. They would deceive even the elect if possible. But God, and, and he's, he just commands us to be true to him, to follow him. And uh, we, we really do need to discern the times that we're in and know that there is hope. There, there's hope of a mm -hmm. coming Christ. There's, there's yeah. hope that he will make it right. And so I, I always try to encourage people by pointing them to what Scripture actually says and uh, in a way that's hopeful and helpful. Yes. Yes. In fact, when I, when I, uh, in the in the first couple of years of me learning about what was really going on in the church, the immediate uh, fear is that, oh, my gosh, things are really bad. This has never happened before. We're in the middle of this great end times thing, and terrible things are right around the corner because things are so bad right now. And as I've studied church history, 
I've, I've got a lot more peace about where we are, not because things are really better per se, but because what we're going through has been going on for all of church history. That, that, the what we even believe as Christians is defined half because of all the false teachers throughout history who started teaching things that weren't biblical and they had to be reprimanded and they had, they had to have councils and they had to have meetings and books were written. It's been going on forever. Yep. And so I'm not, I'm not glad that it's been going on forever, but in a way it makes me kind of calm down and say, Hey, hey this is nothing new. Maybe this is the end times. Uh, it certainly is closer now than it was, you know, 10 or 20 or 100 years ago. But maybe it's not the actual end times as far as Jesus is coming back next year or next week or whatever. It, it yeah. could be. I'm I'm fine with that. But I'm just saying, if the more you study church history, the more you see that our times are not really as unique as, as some people might think. Right. Does that well, make sense? Some doctrine in church history mattered so much to people who came before us. And we forget right. that I, I right. think men and women have been martyred in order to preserve the truth of the gospel. So uh, we, when we look at history, think about that. Think about how important doctrine was uh, to the folks who died for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of my philosophy on this, and and it's not it's you know I have to kind of phrase it that way. But here's the deal: I'm I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor, um, I'm a trained apologist, and I'm not in charge of the church. God is. It's way above my pay grade, and um, the church itself has been given the task of going and making disciples of all nations. This is about you know, a disciple is a learner, you know, and teaching all that Christ has commanded. And and so the idea here is this. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. Um, I do know that I woke up this today and the sun's shining and I have neighbors that need to be served and the discipling task must go on. And, you know, if Christ shows up tomorrow, then I will be excited to be able to say I was discipling people up until the day when Jesus returned. And, mm-hmm. and, and the thing is, is that, this is not my church. It's Christ's church. This is his problem to worry about. You, you know, so it's <laughs> it's like, man, we got heretics all up in here. Okay, yeah, we do. They're all over the place. There's a lot of people being deceived. What a great opportunity. Let's go and, and, and use that to see if we can get the, their attention to bring them in so that we can actually make Christian disciples out of them. You know, that's, yeah. you know, and, and, and how, well, how many do you think you're, I have no idea what God's going to do with all this, you know? And so the idea is, is that I think we need to, you know, get over ourselves in this sense. And that is, is that, you know, we, we look at the signs of the times and we start getting anxious and worried and, and, you know, who cares? I mean, if the Antichrist shows up tomorrow, I mean, big whoop. I mean, you know, it's like I've got I've got a job to do and I'm going to stay at the task until I can't stay at it anymore. It's just kind of that simple. And uh, yeah, and yeah. and that really needs to be our, you know, our our MO. I mean, if the Antichrist shows up, the question is how many more people can we get before he shuts us down? If if Jesus shows up tomorrow, we finish the task, you know, you know, at the wheel, if you would, you know, doing the job. This is his church. It's this is his problem to worry about. It's his fight with the devil. And 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 let's be honest, we're all pawns in this big cosmic war that's been going on for millennia now. And Christ has somehow been able to pull it all out of the the <laughs> all out of the fire <laughs> in, on several occasions in church history. And you know what? He's going to do what he's going to do. And, you know, all mm-hmm. I know is at the end of the day, 
I got to stand before him. He's going to ask me, you know, did you disciple? I told you to disciple and teach them all that I've commanded. And I, and I kind of like the apostle Paul, I want to be able to say, yeah, I finished my course. You know, mm-hmm. that's the idea. So, you know, you're going to get shot at along the way. You know, things are may, may get so bad that, you know, we could go into some kind of, you know, end times, you know, satanic season where, you know, the whore of Babylon is riding the beast and all hell is breaking loose. And at the same time, you know, what do I get to do in the midst of all of that? Proclaim Christ and crucified for our mm-hmm. sins and tell people what scripture <laughs> says, you know, yeah. it just creates a more interesting backdrop. So good stuff. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to read something that I have in this article I'll be posting soon. This is from CFW Walther. Currently, anyone who insists that pure doctrine is a very important matter is immediately suspected of not having the right Christian spirit. The very term pure doctrine is considered taboo and is outlawed. If anyone holds fast to pure teaching and attempts to fight against any false doctrine, he is put down as a heartless and unloving fanatic. Uh, When people hate pure doctrine, that is proof that we are living in a terribly miserable era. So that sounds like it was written last week. And he wrote that in 1878. Yeah. Wow. So people have been fighting against false doctrine in church history for for as long as there's been a church. And yeah. um, we don't need to be shocked by it, uh, although it, at times people need to be woken up. So maybe there's a little bit of shock in the beginning, but I'm not shocked by it anymore. The, the, whatever Stephen Furtick's going to say next is not going to shock any of us. Um, in fact, I think that's part of the reason why we use humor so much, because if all you do is talk about how bad it is, how bad it is, how bad it is, it does bring you down and no one wants to be around you. I, I don't even want to be around myself. So uh, I, I think it's 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 a, <laughs> important that we well, kinda, that's a little awkward. I, man, I got to well, figure out how to get away from myself. You, know? <laughs> have you ever done that, though? You're like, you know, I'm in a funk. I'm just I'm. I'm miserable. Yes. This isn't yeah. this isn't what God wants for me. No, so we, what he he wants you to be immersed in His Word and uh, yep. and learning of Him, and that's where we need to be is at His feet in His Word with that those sixty six books wide open. And yep. uh, so that's what I tell people when they're in a funk, when they're anxious, when they're feeling like uh, you know what's wrong with the church? I, I can't believe this is all happening. I just mm-hmm. encourage people. You know what? Um, yes, these things are happening. Just like Chris said, they're they're happening. Uh, we need to be serving our neighbor and most. Of all, we need to be in in God's word. Yep, and and like I said, you know, it's Jesus's job to worry about all the big stuff. I have no idea how any of the pieces or how the war is going and all that kind of stuff. That's all his. That's all his prerogative. So right. you know, you know, we we've been tasked with the job of proclaiming Christ and Him crucified for our sins, calling people to repent and trust in Him for the forgiveness of their sins. Disciple them in sound doctrine, which is Scripture over and again. Uh, the 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 Greek word is actually healthy doctrine, which I think is a great way to describe it. There's a healthy doctrine and there's unhealthy doctrine, and hmm. and and so this is this is what we've been tasked to do. And it, there doesn't seem to be any shortage of work that needs to be done. So let's just get to it and let Jesus yep. worry about the rest. You know, Amen. do. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. For That was a great conversation. I, I hope it'll help somebody. I mean, if anything, it was cath- yeah. cathartic for me, you know. Yeah. No, I think it will. I, I, I know there's people listening at all different levels or, or, or points in their journey. Uh, and I, I wish I would have heard this conversation myself three or four years ago because it would have helped me. So uh, God bless everyone who's listening. Yes. I, I hope that uh, – that you continue to seek after God and you're not discouraged. You're actually encouraged by what you hear. 
Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. We'll catch up with you again sometime in the near future. Thanks, Chris. So what would you think? Love to get your feedback if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith. You can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ. by so vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>